Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 184A of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. Of course, this is the review portion of the show, Monday night, 7 p.m. And look, we don't have a whole lot to review tonight, so it's probably going to be a really short show unless you guys have some questions. If you got a bunch of questions and we get on a rant, maybe uh, the show will go a while. If not, it's going to be pretty short and sweet. But Thursday night show, we have a lot to preview, so that will be a better show, definitely a longer show. All right, so uh, before I get into news and notes, and there's not a whole lot going on, Make sure you guys smash the like button if you're watching live on YouTube. And for those of you guys who are watching live, I thank you very, very much. We got people checking in for all over the world. I love it. That's the coolest thing about what I do. It's the thing I enjoy most. Let's go ahead and get into the uh, the news and notes. And really, man, guys, you know the situation with, with Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr., that is still ongoing. I still think that fight's going to happen this year in December. I was on the Ringside Reporter Show last night, so make sure you guys check out their show. Just uh, look up Ringside Reporter on YouTube or iTunes, anywhere else, and you'll find it. But um, a lot of you guys that listen to my show, you already listen to Ringside Reporter, I'm sure. But uh, definitely check them out because they could take calls on their show. And there was a few phone calls last night that got a little heated, a little interesting, uh, it was fun, but Fight Doctor and Jason, if you two guys are watching or listening, uh, look, I hope that you give my channel another chance and you let go of some of the images you have of me in your mind based off of maybe something I said or wrote or posted or whatever years ago. Uh, there's been a lot of work since then and, uh, you know, judge me on the totality of my work. Anyway, guys, Regis Progray. Josh Taylor, uh, they're back in talks, no surprise there, to do their fight in October in London. October 26th was the original tentatively scheduled date. And Progre for this fight would get $700,000, and then the winner would get $1.3 million in a bonus. So for Regis Progre, it is you know the possibility of a $2 million payday. I'm sure for Josh Taylor, it's even more. And, uh, of course, it being over there in London, I think it would be, uh, it's definitely going to be pay-per-view over there. And they would do a pretty big live gate over there as well. So I talked last week about Regis Progre and DeBella Entertainment, them, you know, threatening to pull out of the tournament. And I told you guys, that contract is lock solid. I said the same thing with Ivan Brancheck when he wanted to get out. Uh-oh. Guys, it says I'm reconnecting. Can you guys see me? Can you guys hear me? All right, we're connected. Okay. Well, damn. So for, I don't know if you guys saw, but on my end, uh, we were disconnected for a second, but it looks like we're good to go now. I apologize for that. So hopefully you're hearing me loud and clear. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Everything should be good, but live internet, this is what happens. You know what I mean? Okay. So what I was saying before it got broken up is uh, Josh Taylor, Regis Progray, back in talks. Uh, look, that contract is locked solid with the World Boxing Super Series. I said the same thing about Ivan Brancheck when him and his team threatened to pull out. That fight's going to happen. I still think that is going to happen. Uh, Canada Chris says, back clear as a Joshua chin check. Damn! That's cold, brother. <laughs> that is cold. Uh, so I still think Prograde Taylor is going to happen. I still love that fight. I love that matchup. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere in London. 
The winner of that fight is on the fast track. They will be the champion, in my opinion, at 140 pounds. I know Ring Magazine is going to crown the champ or the winner of that fight as their champion at junior welterweight. And that fighter is going to be seen as a budding star. Now, you got Jose Ramirez, who's still in that division as well, who will be the number two to whoever wins that fight. But I still think that's going down. And I still think, of course, Joshua Ruiz 2, or I should say Ruiz Joshua 2, that is going down. Prime TV says Joshua has a granite chin. You guys are cold as ice tonight, man. <laughs> that's cold. Uh, but anyway, earlier on, I mentioned Ringside Reporter, that podcast. We talked a lot about the Joshua uh, rematch with Andy Ruiz, where we think that is. Myself and uh, Eric Lorta and Joe Habib, we talked about all of that. So, guys, make sure you check that out on their channel. That was last night. We talked about that and some other things in the heavyweight division related to uh, Tyson Fury, his opposition, the Deontay Wilder rematch. So um, make sure you check that out. We talked a lot about that stuff. That's really all I got for news and notes, guys. Like I said, not a whole lot going on. So uh, if you got any questions, let's see. I'll check real quick. Uh, Captain Hill Chronicles is on. He says, because of Lou DiBella, do you know who is the boxing guy working for Dabs White? I think he meant Dana White. For his introduction into boxing, is it him or Richard Schaefer? So look, with Dana White, um, he's been talking about getting into boxing now for several years. And we actually talked about that last night on the Ringside Reporter show as well. Uh, look, I don't know who he's working with. I don't know what to believe. But we know he's already beefed with Oscar De La Hoya. Doesn't like Oscar very well. We know he's beefed with Bob Arum. As far as personality and how they approach the game, Dana White and Bob Arum are complete opposites. Right? So uh, that's two big power brokers in American boxing that he's already basically said F you to. So that's not leaving a whole lot of people left. Uh, however, you know, there are guys overseas like Eddie Hearn. There are guys here in America. You mentioned Lou DiBella. He's a guy with a ton of experience at the network level and uh, promoting. And uh, he works a lot with PBC. There's guys like Tom Brown and some of those other guys that work with PBC a lot. So I don't know what, what Dana White's going to do. He's got a chance to do something in boxing if he has, my opinion, if Dana White kind of comes in open hands, ready to shake some hands, ready to work with other promoters and not beef with everybody, and comes in with the approach of he doesn't need to come in and change boxing's culture. He needs to come in and assimilate to boxing's culture. Basically, Dana White is a foreigner in a new land in boxing, and he does not speak boxing's language or understand boxing's culture. It is completely different than any other sport. And if Dana White understands that, recognizes that, and has a long-term plan, I'm talking 10-plus years, he's got a chance. Azier says Dana will never work with anyone, be real. Look, based upon his track record at UFC, you're probably right. You know what I mean? And therefore, I don't think it's going to work out. But if he does work with people... And look, it took, it took him 10 years to make a profit in U, uh, UFC. It took Dana White a decade to make a profit on UNC, uh, UFC. I was going to say UNC. UFC. So it's going to take him a decade, at least in boxing, to make a profit. If he has that mindset and he's ready to work with people, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. Uh, Tommy Boseo's on here. He says that I killed it at Ringside Reporter. I bodied those two callers who tried trolling you. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. And, I, you know, things got a little heated, maybe a little bit out of hand. I wish I would have pulled back a little bit. But, yeah, some of those guys were just, 
called into that show just trying to attack me, it seemed. It didn't even seem like they really had coherent questions. They just kind of wanted to rant about me because they didn't like me. And look, not everyone's going to like me. Not everyone's going to like my style, my personality, the way I look, the way I sound. That's life. And uh, some people just do not like me. But what I find is a lot of these guys that have an issue with me, they're basing it on one tweet or one video or one article or a series of tweets or a conversation, something like that, uh, an interview I did, whatever it is, they're not basing it on, you know, most of my work. They're basing it on one little thing that somebody may have DM'd to them or forwarded to them. Cooking with Joel says, troll's gonna troll. Exactly, Joel. So like, one thing that Steve Kim and Doug Fisher taught me, and they've taught me a lot in this business. They've been like mentors to me. And there's plenty of other folks too. But both of those guys, especially Steve, because he's more opinionated than Doug. He's, Doug's very opinionated, but he's so articulate and professional with his, his uh, presentation. He doesn't ruffle as much feathers as Steve does. Steve's a little more abrasive, and I guess I'm a little more like Steve. But uh, he told me, look, man, you're not going to win over some people. So stop trying to meet some people in the middle. Stop trying to have this meeting of the minds because they're never going to bend. Some people just have it made up in their mind that they don't like you. It could be due to a million things out of your control. It could be because of where you're from. It could be because of the way you look, if, you know, the way you sound. It could be anything or who you're associated with. So stop trying to win certain people over. And I stopped a long time ago. So now if somebody gets in my ass or tries to troll me, I just give it right back to them. That's it. <laughs> That's all you could do, man. But uh, Jack Alter's on. He says, friends is better than Seinfeld. So look. Guys, I know we're getting off topic here. We're not really boxing-related talk here, but there's not a whole, whole hell of a lot going on in boxing. So let's be human beings and talk about some other things. So on Twitter, there was a question. Which was better, Seinfeld or Friends? And I said Seinfeld by a mile. It's not even close. Seinfeld's like on another stratosphere. Friends, to me, felt like just another sitcom. I never really watched Friends. I maybe watched an episode of it. It just wasn't my thing. I thought Seinfeld was great. And for, for just for a lot of reasons, I just thought that they kind of changed the game with the way sitcoms should be. Sitcoms now are complete dog shit. The stuff on TV that you young guys have to watch right now, I feel bad for you. Shows suck right now. Even the way they're edited and just directed, it just sucks. And the PC culture and all this, the cancel culture has taken over television. The way they write things, the way they cast things. If you watch the way they even cast TV commercials or social engineering going on. It's madness. I feel so bad for you guys. But uh, Seinfeld was fun, man. I'm sorry, Jack. We're going to disagree with this, baby. Yeah, Rusty Taylor says Friends is so corny. Dwayne says Seinfeld. Exactly. Seinfeld is just better. And maybe it's a generational thing. MJB Taco says Curb Your Enthusiasm. That was a great show by the same dude who did Seinfeld. So, so there you go. He was just able to get away with more at, uh, at HBO with Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? But man, shows used to be so great. Canada Chris says he's laying in bed watching old house episodes. Hell yeah, bro. See, man, there used to be good shows. Used to be good shows. He says he's eating cookies. All right, what kind of cookies? You can't just say you're eating cookies, bro. There's like 10,000 kinds of cookies. You got to give us some more details. Uh, Ozier says, Mike, tell us about the new Usyk opponent. Um, hmm. As far as I know, nothing's official, bro. So they're still shopping around a few different names. They've had a few people reject them. But as far as I know, they're still going to go forward 
uh, in Chicago and, and fight there. And at that same venue, same date, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, they're looking at different opponents. That card is going forward. So Usyk will make his heavyweight debut in October in Chicago. I know that much. Uh, let's see what else here. The Kism says, morning, Michael Montero from Bangkok. Looks like Yard finally arrived in Russia. What do you think about that fight? We'll talk more about that fight Thursday night in the preview show. Thank you for watching from Bangkok. That is awesome. It's crazy. Like, you're, you're messaging me from the future. <laughs> That's just the way it feels. Like, you just, I'm time traveling right now talking to you. Uh, look, so we'll talk more about it, you know, uh, Thursday. But just, you know, my prediction, and I've, I've been pretty consistent with this all along. If Kovalev has taken this seriously, and I do wonder about that, I like Kovalev by decision. Uh, he could even maybe score a late knockout, but I don't think so. It's probably going to go to the cards and he'll win a decision. It might even be such that Kovalev gets dropped or gets hurt in this fight and, and wins a decision that some people on the internet think is uh, controversial or something like that. There's a big money fight with Canelo that's right there for Kovalev after the yard fight should he win. So there's big money riding on this, okay? He doesn't have the best track record his last couple fights in Russia, Last fight in Russia, he won, but he didn't look great against Isaac Chalemba. And the fight before that, he killed a man. You know, the result of, of the damage that he put on his opponent killed him later on. So there's some baggage there. And then also back in the hometown, uh, a lot of bad habits. A lot of guys around that are going to get him into bad habits and doing some, some things he shouldn't be doing. I know last time Sergey was in Russia, he wasn't training like he should have been. There was a lot of partying going on. I heard things, okay? I heard things. That's all I'm going to say. Let's see. What else we got? Prime TV says, Wish Yard had fought a contender to see what he was made of. I do too. And look, we might all look crazy in a week or so if Yard wins and knocks out Kovalev or something like that. It could happen because Tommy Boseo just said Kovalev equals vodka, vodka. But look, I mean, I get that you're, you're joking and trolling, but there's some truth to that joke. I mean, you know, it's legitimate, okay? I've seen things, I've heard things, as you guys have too. So if Yard strikes gold and, and knocks him out, well, we might all look crazy, right? But Yard, had, Yard took up boxing at 19, very limited amateur experience. He's fought nobody as a pro. He's making a huge leap in opposition. So he's either going to show us something... Or this could look like Navarrete de Vaca, which I should get into. I should actually review the fights that took place last week. Guys, keep the questions coming. I'll get to them. But Saturday, August 17th, Springfield, Massachusetts, UFC Fight Pass, Charles Foster from New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, he wins on that card. And then, of course, top rank on ESPN from Bank of California Stadium on Los Angeles, or in Los Angeles. Uh, first, the undercards were on ESPN+. Plus. And you guys got to see some young talent there. And then it switched over to ESPN, the network. I think they had like a UFC card on or something like that. And right after UFC, it went to boxing. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, guys. But I think that's what the deal was. And if so, I'm curious how, many of the ra- how much of the ratings from that UFC event carried over to the boxing event. Now, for what it's worth, the two televised fights on ESPN were complete showcase fights. Complete showcase fights. And uh, I don't know if they really did anything to improve 
either guy that won. So in the co-main, Jesse Magdaleno, technical decision win after nine rounds against uh, uh, Rafael Rivera. And there was a nasty cut from an elbow. I think one of the guys on the broadcast, I think it was Timothy Bradley, accused Rivera of fighting dirty and maybe meaning to do it. I don't know about that. It was an ugly fight with a lot of headbutts. Magdaleno could have boxed and won that fight pretty decisively without, uh, without really taking much punishment. But I think some of the fans there in L.A. got to him. And he's a little disenfranchised with the sport right now. He's a little upset just that boxing. He feels he's gotten screwed over in certain ways. Um, not saying I agree or disagree. That's just how he feels. So I don't know if he's really taking it 100% serious in his heart anymore. Like loving the sport. He's just kind of going in there and brawling. That's kind of what I saw against Rivera. So I don't know if this fight did anything for Magdaleno other than get him some rounds and chop up his skin some more which is going to affect him in future fights because he's already known to be a bleeder. Now, the main event, Emmanuel Navarrete uh, improves to 28-1 with 24 knockouts. KO3 win over Francisco de Vaca. This is the second defense of Navarrete's WBO 122-pound title. I told you guys last week, last Thursday, you look at de Vaca's resume, you look at who he's fought, hasn't fought anybody that's at this level, Navarrete just fought Isaac Dogbe twice. You know what I'm saying? So he was ready to take on... He's ready to take on anybody in the division. Navarrete may be the best right now at junior featherweight or super bantamweight, whatever you prefer. 122 pounds. Devaca. A couple of you guys messaged me and said, man, Devaca had a good uh, amateur resume. He fought, I think it was 100 plus amateur fights. It might even be more than that. The thing is... It was, it was kind of at the local level there in Arizona. It was regional. He didn't fight at the international global level in the amateurs. And that makes a big, big difference. You could see guys build up really impressive amateur records in Iowa. And they never leave Iowa. And you could be 50-0 as an amateur in Iowa, right? That doesn't mean... That, that's not the same as going 50-0 as an amateur, but you fought in the world championships, you fought in the Olympic qualifiers. You know what I'm saying? Not the same kind of experience. So anyway, what happened? Navarrete destroyed Devaca. Didn't had no business being in the ring. I, his team and his handlers really did him a disservice. And that fight went on longer than it needed to. Raul Caiz Sr., the referee, did a good job stopping this fight in the third round. It could have been stopped in the second round. And it was clear that uh, Devaca's corner was not going to stop it anytime soon. So good job uh, by him. Chris Berger with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you very, very much, Chris. He says, uh, loving the two-part TNC. Top job as always, Mike. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the tip, brother. We're working hard, man. Putting up, uh, guys, I'll tell you this. Um, putting up two shows a week is not easy. You know what I'm saying? And doing a show consistently every week, especially now during the dog days of summer, while I'm, you know, you guys know I'm renovating a house and everything else. You guys know that I'm writing articles for Ring Magazine and Ring TV. So I got that going on. And on top of that, you know, I'm doing some guest appearances here and there and some other shows, whether it be radio stuff, internet stuff. And then, and then I'm doing my show. It's a lot of work, man. Uh, we just saw the Boxing Rant podcast. Those guys, uh, Kenny and Vince, they announced that their podcast is no more. That was a really fun show, right? That show is no more. It's broken up, which really sucks because that was a fun show. 
But I understand it's hard to do this shit every single week. Uh, the three knockdown rule with Steve Kim and Mario Lopez, that's the most successful boxing podcast in the English-speaking world right now. They went on a little brief hiatus because things are so dead right now and Mario has a new job and he's working some things out. So, uh, look, it, it goes from, you know, the amateur shows all the way up to the professional shows that have, you know, A-lister boxing media folks like Steve Kim and them. It's hard to do this every week, man. So you guys that watch with me and listen with me and then you guys who, who contribute, you know, anything that you can, whether it be on my Patreon or here on Super Chat, I thank you so much. It really is greatly appreciated. And I need to make sure that I let you guys know that and understand that it's it's it really means a lot to me and i sincerely appreciate it because i put a lot of effort into this man hours and hours and hours a week just to do this show just to prepare for this show and get everything up to speed man all these notes and all this stuff you know what i mean so thank you very very much guys um let's see canada chris says appreciate the two shows mike must be very tough Ernie Wiles says, still bummed out about the boxing rant. Great show. Canada Chris says, Boxing Town. Cubed Pod left us. Frank Williams, did Tim Bradley really duck Errol Spence and all the PBC fighters? No, that's a ridiculous statement. I don't know who said that. Tim Bradley didn't really duck anybody. Tim Bradley was with Bob Arum, and he was with Bob Arum when Bob Arum and Uncle Al weren't talking at all. You know what I'm saying? There was a cold war at that time. Now they're kind of talking, but not really. Just kind of. Uh, but at that time when Bradley was in his prime, Grandpa Bob and Uncle Al did not talk to each other. So I don't think either side was ducking either guy uh, You know, within that equation. Timothy Bradley, look, dude, he fought everybody he could. You saw his fights with uh, Provodnikov. He fought... Pacquiao three times and of course those were big money fights but there was a lot of guys who weren't rushing to fight Manny Pacquiao at the time especially that first fight when Bradley fought him so and he fought some other guys that were really tough and rugged that nobody really wanted a piece of so Bradley's one of those guys who'd fight anybody MJB Taco says you're the only boxing podcast I listen to lol hey thank you very very much my man I appreciate it love you guys um, let's see, Cian, thoughts on AJ's recent comments? He's coming across as deluded. Good question, Cian. And on such a slow week, why not rant on this a little bit? So look, at first, I talked about this last week. And I said, you know, Lennox Lewis was um, really just giving him constructive criticism. And Anthony Joshua kind of overreacted. Well, then I looked back at some clips that I didn't see. I guess I didn't see all of the clips from Lennox Lewis. And a few of you guys sent them to me on, on Twitter and I think on Facebook, some of you guys did too. And I, I looked at, and look, Lennox Lewis, to a certain degree, I don't know if it's a little bit of jealousy. You see this with like Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. and Canelo and some of the old, old school Mexican fighters like uh, Morales and, and Marquez and Canelo. Like there's a little bit of jealousy because he's the new guy. He's stealing the thunder. And I think that old school guys are going to look at a new guy coming up in their market and see them having so much more success because we're in the age of social media. There's, being, there's money being thrown around like never before. These network contracts, these streaming platform contracts are crazy, right? The amount of money being thrown around is nuts. And maybe Lennox Lewis looked at some of that and there's a twinge, just a little bit. I don't want to say jealousy, 
but just a little bit of, well, damn, this, this young guy hasn't proven shit. And he's already selling out arenas. 90,000 people are coming to see his fights. He's doing all this stuff. It took me years. It took me over a decade as a pro in the sport. It took me beating up a, a completely faded shot the shit Mike Tyson in what Memphis, of all places, Tennessee, to, to finally get some crossover appeal. And this dude just walked into it. So yeah, I do think some of the things Lennox has said have been a little bit... And then look, he commentates for PBC, right? So he's kind of towed the company line a little bit, talked up Deontay Wilder, talked down Anthony Joshua, blamed AJ and his side a little bit more for the Wilder-Joshua fights not coming together. So I understand why AJ might be a little pissed off, a little irritated, but no matter, AJ has to understand, no matter what he says in retaliation to this, he's the young guy proving himself. He's coming off a knockout loss to a guy that was a 25 to one underdog that he was supposed to whoop his ass, right? And Lennox Lewis is a proven all-time great who did the thing. It's over. He's long been retired. So Lennox Lewis is kind of being that grumpy old man that's earned the right to talk shit. And maybe some of the things he's saying are a little bullshit, you know, and maybe it's not all true. And, you know, yeah, he's being kind of that grumpy old man, but you still got to respect the grumpy old man because he's been there, done that. So if I were advising Anthony Joshua, I would tell him to shut the fuck up. Quit talking shit about your elders. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Lennox Lewis... Doesn't matter what Lennox says, all-time great heavyweight, might be top five best ever heavyweight. At his best with Emmanuel Stewart in his corner, dude was damn near unstoppable when he was on his A-game, right? He'd be a nightmare for any heavyweight in history to fight. Whether you think Ali might beat him or Lewis might beat him, I don't know. I'm not saying I necessarily think so. I think Lennox might beat them head-to-head. Certainly would beat Lewis, would just be way too big for him, but Lennox probably could beat Ali too because Ali never dealt with a jab like that with a right hand coming behind it and a big man with inside fighting skills like Lewis had. I can get way in the weeds with this shit. But AJ just needs to shut up. And I don't know, maybe he's trying to turn heel. Maybe he's just saying fuck the world right now and trying to turn heel because he's been saying all kinds of crazy shit. He said that Andy Ruiz landed a lucky punch from the gods or something like that. I don't know, man. I, I just he, He's got to know that's not true. Because Andy Ruiz landed multiple lucky punches. One punch, okay, you're lucky. Two punches, okay, maybe I'll give you that. But dude dropped you four times, homie. And those were combinations. So he landed dozens of lucky punches. That shit don't happen. <laughs> so uh, AJ needs to just slow down a little bit. Unless he's trying to do some new personality, turn heel... I don't think that's going to work for him because I just don't know if that's who he really is. Um, all right. Did I finish talking about Navarrete? Okay. One last thing about Navarrete. He'll fight again September 14th on the Tyson Fury Otto Wallen uh, undercard. Right now, it's scheduled against, against TBA. Expect him to be another opponent like Francisco de Vaca. That's going to be Mexican Independence Day weekend. Top rank's got a Mexican on the card now to compete with Golden Boy's card. The difference is the Mexican fighters and Mexican-American fighters Golden Boy Promotions has on their card are much more popular. And tickets to that card are going to be way cheaper and in a much bigger market in Los Angeles. So uh, top rank's got their work cut out for them with that September 14th card at T-Mobile. 
that's a tough sell. That's a real tough sell, especially when you've got Ryan Kingry Garcia and Jaime Munguia fighting in Carson. Like I said, much, much cheaper. And that's Golden Boy Promotions, and they know how to promote to that fan base. So anyway, uh, that's what we're going to see. Maybe Navarrete probably moving up to 126 next year. If he can stay at 122, stay at 22, man. Stay at 22 and start calling out Ray Vargas because I'd love to see that fight. Imagine both those guys are tall and rangy but fight much differently. Ray Vargas, Emmanuel Navarrete at Dignity Health Center in Carson, California. Sign me up for some of that shit next spring. That would be awesome. All right, back to the chat. MJB Taco asks... You think the zone's new home of the middleweight marketing scheme is a way to get other guys to fight on their platform or give the guys at the zone an excuse to not fight guys outside of the zone? I don't know, man. I think it's a way for them to try to say, look, we got Canelo, we got Golovkin, we got Jacobs, although I think he's moving to 68. We got Billy Joe Saunders. Is he at 68 or 60? I don't know. They got everybody at middleweight. They do. But they got to fight each other. You know, um, if Golovkin does fight Derevyanchenko in October, that's probably going to happen. And Canelo ends up fighting Demetrius Andre, that'd be awesome. Is it going to happen? I don't know, man. I think Canelo's going to go for Kovalev. And so, look, the best thing that could happen for boxing, I hate to say this if you're a Sergey Kovalev fan, but is for Anthony Yard to beat Kovalev. Because if he does, Canelo will have to fight Demetrius Andre. That's probably the way it's going to line up. If Kovalev beats Yard, Canelo's going to fight him. And middleweight kind of stays at limbo. But back to your question, MJB Taco. Uh, you think about it, man. The only elite-level middleweight not at the zone is Charlo. And Charlo, what's he going to do? He's kind of in the position Terrence Crawford is in at top rank at welterweight. There's just really not a lot of people around. The only difference is that, uh, you know, Crawford's, there's guys at 140, Regis Progray. Jose Ramirez, uh, Josh Taylor. If those guys want to move up, there will be guys for Crawford to fight that politically those fights can happen. For Charlo, if he wants to fight at 60, and if guys like Jarrett Hurd and uh, J-Rock Williams stay at 54, don't want to move up, who the hell is he going to fight? I don't know. Let's see what else. I saw that Gail's on, Hamed's on. Awesome. (laughs) Gail says, about time I get here, smash the like button. That's right. Jab it. Double jab it. Pop, pop. Actually, don't double jab it because if you hit it twice, you'll unlike the video. So triple jab it. Boom, boom, boom. That's what you do. Hamed says, Lewis is slightly jealous. He was never really loved by the British public like Bruno and Joshua. Hamed, I agree. I, I mean, I, I went back and I watched some of those Lennox Lewis interviews and it just seems there's a little bit of jealousy from the old man because again, he looks at this young punk. I'm just, you know, I'm just hypothetically saying I, Lennox never said this, but I'm playing psychiatrist here. Look at this young punk who comes out of the Olympics, selling out stadiums, hasn't even had 10 damn pro fights. He's making eight-figure paydays, fighting for titles against guys like Charles Martin. This is crazy. I had a much harder road. And again, guys like some of the old-school Mexican fighters have said the same thing about Canelo Alvarez, right? So we've seen this before. The difference is Canelo, for the most part, has been smart enough to pay respect to those old-school Mexican fighters. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but he's never gone on full-on just talking shit about Chavez, Barrera, Morales, 
and even guys before them. I don't think he's ever done that. And he works with De La Hoya, who's American, but beloved by both Mexican-American and Mexican fans for the most part, right? So with AJ, it just, for him to start talking so much shit and call Lennox Lewis a clown, how are you going to call a guy who's accomplished more in the sport than you probably ever will a clown? That's crazy. And most people look at that and say, nah, that, that, ain't, that ain't true, bro. <laughs> He's an all-time great. So uh, let's see. Uh, some of you guys, Vlad says Lewis works for PBC. Yes, and he's, he is towing the company line. He's talking up Deontay Wilder and talking down Anthony Joshua. I'm not excusing that. Obviously, that's, he is doing that at times. But if you're Anthony Joshua, you're the younger guy, you're unproven. If you're, young, if you're the younger person talking shit about an older, more accomplished person that is universally seen as an all-time great, it doesn't matter what the old man said about you. You're going to look like the bad guy. So my advice would be take the high road. Prove it in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Shut Lennox Lewis up and make him look stupid in the ring. Again, I'll go back to Canelo. A lot of people were talking shit about the way he fought the first Golovkin fight, including the Mexican old school fighters, right? And then what did he do? He went in that rematch and he went right at Gennady and pushed him back and moved forward. And he shut a lot of those guys up with his fighting style. Now, a lot of them still scored the fight for Golovkin, but I, I, that's what I'd rather see Anthony Joshua do is you know, let his fighting do the talking. Let's see. What other, what other questions we got here? Mario G says, Lennox is too old. AJ would knock him out. Plus, AJ might get charged with hitting a senior citizen. Yeah, dude. Like, some people were talking about they need to fight right now and Lennox would knock him out right now. No, guys, come on. Lennox Lewis is an older guy. He's retired. Obviously, Anthony Joshua would knock him out if they fought today. But Lennox could knock him out if he landed. Gail says disrespecting your elders is never a good look, no upside to it. Exactly, Gail. As usual, Gail speaking the truth. So that's all I have to say about this situation with Joshua. Just shut up and just say, you know, look, he's entitled to his opinion. I disagree, and I'll prove it in the ring December 7th against Andy Ruiz Jr. in Saudi Arabia. That's it. That's all he's got to say. Lewis, Lewis says uh, Lennox Lewis in his prime would smash Joshua. Well, yeah, no shit. Vladimir Klitschko in his prime would have smashed the shit out of Anthony Joshua. Hamed says, Montero, that was funny. On Ringside Reporter yesterday, those two fools got exposed like morons. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm just going to leave that right there, Hamed. Tommy Boseo asks, Montero, are you going to New York for the golovkin Derevianchenko fight October 5th? Tiffany and I were just talking about that last night. So uh, we might. It depends on how some things go with the house. We are going to L.A. at the end of September to cover Spence Porter. It might be hard to go to L.A. and then New York the very next week. So we're deciding right now if we can negotiate all that and if it'll work out with all of our other projects and day jobs and everything else. So uh, I got to see. I don't know yet, dude. Right now, 50-50. I'm not sure. We're definitely going to be in L.A., though, for Spence Porter. So any of you guys going to that fight, we'll see you there. John Uden asked, Mike, what's the tougher fight? AJ up against his critics or Ruiz up against his newfound fame? That's a damn good question, my man. Um, 
you know what? We'll get the answer to that December 7th. Honestly, that's we'll get the answer to that December 7th. And I'm going to keep some things off the record for right now. And I'm just going to keep some things to myself until that fight is signed, sealed, delivered. And I can do an actual preview video, breaking that fight down, giving my prediction. But I, I have a pretty strong opinion about who I think is going to win and how it's going to look. Uh, I'm just... I think a lot of people have short memories and they get stuck in the moment. And um, yeah, I just think that you're going to get the answer to your question. I can answer it right now, but I want to wait. I want to wait. You're going to get it in the ring. But um, I think you know what my answer would be. I think you know what my answer would be. Just not going to go down that road tonight. Let's see. What else? I mean, we pretty much we're done here, guys. So a couple more questions and I'm going to drop off. Oh, Ozzie brought up Conor McGregor attacking the old guy. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that's about. So again, Conor McGregor looks like an idiot. And again, maybe this old guy, even if this old guy assault, insulted your mother or said something horrible, you, you can't punch an old man. Can't do it. Never looks good. Never a good look. Vlad asked, Mike, what do you think about Fury's comments about Ruiz? I agree with him. Seems like Ruiz thinks he's already made it. You know what? Tyson Fury started going down a certain road that I just stopped myself from going down. I know some of the things Tyson Fury wanted to mention in that broadcast, but he kind of stopped himself right before going a little too far. Uh, there are certain things that are leaking out right now. Some of you guys, you're seeing trickles of it and hearing trickles of it. There will be more to come, okay? Um, the heavyweight division will look very, very different in about six months. <clears throat> Pamela asked, what, what, uh, Ruiz, what leverage does he have in the contract for the rematch? Heard several different stories in the venue, in money. He doesn't have that much leverage. Yeah, I mean, he, he's trying to negotiate a little more concessions and, and he'll get them because the rematch is going to happen. But it's already signed, man. It's a contract. You know, I don't know how many times I got to say this. You can't really break a contract unless there's some, unless the other side isn't keeping up their end of the bargain. And so far, Hearn and Matchroom, and I'm not trying to defend them and say that I love everything Eddie Hearn does, but in this case, he's got his ducks in the row. And legally, there's nothing that Ruiz could get him on. You could say, oh, I'm scared about fighting in Saudi Arabia. Well, dude, you wanted a neutral venue. Do you want to fight in Cardiff, Wales, where we said it was going to be in the, in the documents you signed? I already gave you a concession and moved it to a quote-unquote neutral place. Is it really neutral? I don't know. Does Saudi Arabia slightly favor Anthony Joshua? You could make that argument. But, I mean... I just is it worth going to court? Ruiz is going to lose his ass, and he's going to be out of the ring. I, I just look, guys. The rematch will happen. Just sit tight; it'll happen. Hamed said some journalists have said Ruiz has not been training. Well, you know, no comment. <clears throat> Dwayne says any word on the drug testing with Ruiz Joshua too? I think that it's almost certainly going to be through Vada. I think they're going to go the same route they did with the first fight, especially if it goes to Saudi Arabia where there's no commission. So uh, the only real protection 
that uh, Ruiz would have is to use VADA testing. And I don't think that'd be an issue at all. AJ had VADA testing for the first fight. Remember, that's how Jarrell Miller <laughs> uh, became, uh, you know, the former opponent. So uh, let's see what else here. Trini says it's just hype. Trini, you're a very smart man. You're a very smart man, my friend. I think that, there, again, like I said this last week, there's some sneaky genius to what Eddie Hearn did by announcing the rematch when he did and doing that presser when he did. That put pressure on Ruiz's side to start negotiating some of this shit. So, uh, and again, I don't love everything Eddie Hearn does. And you could say that it was somewhat unethical to go that route. I understand that. But we don't know what's been going on behind closed doors. And maybe to get everyone moving their ass, he had to go this route. It is what it is. All right. Boxing and Bulldogs. Mike, does Yard have a shot? We talked about Yard earlier in the episode. We'll talk about Yard a lot Thursday. I don't want to get into it too much today. We'll talk more about that Thursday in the preview show. It's boxing. Of course he has a shot, especially if Sergey Kovalev has been uh, getting back into bad habits over there in Russia, which he's been known to do. All right, one last question from John, and then we're going to bounce off here. John asked, Mike, do you feel Loma, Usyk, and Vosdik are special crop of fighters, or is there something special going on with the Ukraine training? It's probably a little bit of both. So look, Loma, Usyk, and Vosdik, we don't know yet who's, who's like the best fighter from that group. Most people right now would lean towards Loma. It might be Usyk. Maybe Vajdik will show us something he hasn't yet. But I think most people would say he's number three in that group. But the Ukrainians, yeah, dude, their training, their amateur system, it's, it's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn amazing. It's far superior, in my opinion, to what the Cubans are doing. And that's not me putting down the Cubans. It's just look at the results in the professional ranks. Now, 30 years ago, the Cubans were much better. Their system was much, much better. But things have shifted. And I think you're going to see over the next 10 years, there's going to be like an Uzbeki group, like the Ukrainian group we have right now. You know, a few years from now, there's going to be a, a few Uzbeki guys, Uzbeki natives that relocated to America that are going to be kicking ass and taking names. You're going to see more Kazakh-born uh, fighters, Kazakhstan-born fighters that do very well in the amateurs. Uh, people always say the Russians, the Russians. Yeah, there's a few Russians doing well, but really it's those other former Soviet countries that are much more successful. All the stands, I call them, right? Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, and then, of course, Ukraine. They're doing really, really well, and that's going to continue. That's where the scene is right now. And these guys are coming to America, training here, living here, learning the language, assimilating, and that's giving them more power in the American boxing world. That's something they didn't first have when they came up. And I think a lot of these guys owe the Klitschko brothers, Vitaly and Vladimir, uh, a, lot, a lot of gratitude because those really were the guys that paved the way for all these uh, Eastern European, former Soviet country-born uh, fighters coming over here now and having big success. It really was the Klitschko brothers were the first that really broke through in a big way internationally, if you think about it. All right, one last question from Hamed. Then I'm going to bounce. Um, 
he asked, has Triple G left Loeffler? No, Tom Loeffler is still the managing director for 360 Promotions and Triple G Promotions. So they're still working together. And it will be that way until Gennady Golovkin retires as a fighter. Tom Loeffler and him are, have a dealing together for the last few years. <clears throat> Prime TV, what about Afghanistan? Ah, that's a little different. That's uh, not, not as dominant of a stand as the other ones. Boxing and Bulldog says he uppercutted the like button. Love it. Vlad says, Mike, I'm Ukrainian. It's mentality first. I think there's some truth to that. I think that some of the athletes here in the United States are a little soft and a little pampered and entitled. That's one thing that aggravates me about some of the American fighters. You see these fighters coming up from Mexico, from, uh, from Latin America, from Eastern Europe, from Africa, fighters from Ghana, fighters from uh, different parts of Asia that are just, their mentality is so much tougher and harder. Andre Ward really had a hard, stern mentality, a tough man to break mentally. And he was an American born and bred fighter. You don't see his type of mentality as much in American fighters anymore. Some of it's out there, but you just see a lot of guys who think they can show up and overnight they're going to have big, big success, man. You got to put that work in. And these guys coming from overseas, from different parts of the world, Ukraine included, they're hungry and they're humble and they want it. And uh, they let their fighting do the talking. On that note, guys, we're done for tonight. All right. So uh, homework, smash the like button, get the word out about Thursday's show and go over and check out the Ringside Reporter show, Ringside Reporter podcast where I was on last night. Some heated debate and discussion with a couple of the callers. I think you guys will enjoy that. All right. I'll see you at the fights.